Taiwan reported zero local COVID cases, zero imported cases, and zero deaths on Monday for the first time in more than six months. The CCC also announced an easing of restrictions on eating and drinking in public transport stations and ports. Let's hear from the transport minister. The first part of the rule easing covers passenger terminals for air, sea and land transport. Starting tomorrow, there will be three changes. One affects bus stations, that is, stations for intercity buses, public buses and coach buses. Starting tomorrow, eating and drinking will be allowed in waiting areas. Food and drink will also be allowed starting tomorrow at ports for air and sea passenger travel. That includes terminals that offer domestic flights to the outlying islands and so on. You can eat and drink there. For sea and air terminals servicing international travel, eating and drinking is allowed in the international departure section at airports and food and drink shops can reopen. The transport minister also announced that non-reserve tickets will once again be available on the Taiwan high-speed rail starting November 8th. In addition, the system will go back to operating 1,016 weekly scheduled routes. That's up from the current reduced schedule of 899 routes service per week that the Bullet Railway implemented amid Taiwan's recent COVID outbreak. Appointments for the 12th round of vaccinations got off to rocky start Monday morning as users rushed to book a shot, resulting in lagging and waits of up to 15 minutes. More booking slots will open up on Tuesday at 10 a.m. and at 2 p.m. for registrants to book second doses of AstraZeneca and Moderna, respectively. Meanwhile, in Taipei, borough wardens say the city has further complicated the booking process by launching a vaccine system of its own for people aged 65 and up. People wait with their sleeves rolled up to get a Pfizer shot in the 11th round of vaccinations. Perhaps you can feel a bit more at ease this way. You just get what they have. There aren't many options. This time you can choose your location, maybe someplace closer. If you're too late to make an appointment though, you'll have to choose somewhere else, and that could be too far away. Shots are going out in the 11th round of vaccinations, and soon the 12th round will kick off. Appointments became available on Monday morning at 10, but users reported lagging due to heavy traffic on the website. Users say they had to wait 15 minutes to make an appointment, and even then, all slots were already fully booked. Some say they had to make appointments outside of the district they live in. The 12th round of vaccines will offer three different brands. First doses of Pfizer are available for more than 1.35 million people aged 30 and up, with appointments bookable starting Monday at 10 a.m. Meanwhile, second doses of AstraZeneca are available to around 960,000 people aged 38 and older who can schedule an appointment starting Tuesday at 10 a.m. The round will also administer second shots of Moderna to about 662,000 people who can book a shot starting 2 p.m. on Tuesday. From the first round till now, it's been the same problem. The system always freezes. For example, from 10 a.m. till now, the system has been lagging. In the past, we've waited up to half an hour. Some older adults showed up at the warden's office in the early morning to get assistance in booking a Moderna shot. Previously, the shots were only available at the Taipei Expo Dome and not at local clinics. This time around, Taipei residents aged 65 and up can pick a clinic close to home to book their second shot of Moderna. But they must do so over the city's own vaccine booking system, which further complicates matters for borough wardens. What I don't get about Moderna is that Taipei Department of Health web 
website suddenly launched priority registration for older adults, and any remaining slots went to younger registrants. The situation now is very confusing, since there are two booking systems operating simultaneously, the 1922 central government platform and the Taipei city platform. The borough warden says the two online systems are only making things more difficult. With vaccine shipments continuously rolling in, the systems may be subject to reviews on a rolling basis. The CECC says it expects to receive about 1 million vaccines each month in the future. Taiwan is currently on track to reach two-dose coverage of 60% before the end of the year. The mayors of Xinzhou and Jilong on Monday shared proposals for administrative mergers to their cities. The Xinzhou mayor says the idea of merging his city with the surrounding Xinzhou county has wide support among the public. Meanwhile, the Jilong mayor is proposing two mergers with nearby districts in New Taipei and even a plan for a merger with Taipei City. Xinzhu Mayor Lin Zhijian's proposal to merge Xinzhu City and Xinzhu County has ignited much discussion in recent weeks. The mayor says the merger has strong support from the public. On Monday, he outlined some benefits of merging the two areas into a special municipality. We want this city to continue to innovate and be competitive, and most importantly, maintain its level of livability and sustainability. The Xinzhu mayor is not the only one proposing a restructuring of administrative areas in Taiwan. Jilong Mayor Lin Youchang says Jilong City, Xinzhu City and Jai City should be merged with nearby administrative areas and upgraded to special municipalities. That would mean big changes for the northeast involving Taipei, New Taipei and Jilong. One of his suggestions is a merger of seven administrative areas in the northeast coast, including Jilong City and New Taipei Shimen and Wanli districts. Another proposal is for Taipei and Jilong to merge and acquire New Taipei Xizhi District. We could get areas of the north coast to come together with Jilong into a greater Jilong city, or we could merge these living areas together, Taipei, Xizhi, and Jilong, and make them into a greater Taipei urban area. Then if Mayor Ke has interest, he can run for office and add another term as Taipei mayor. I think that this time Xizhi and Jilong should be included in any plans. In fact, Xizhi is already considered to be part of the extended living areas of Nehu in Nangang. It's also the main way into Jilong. I think this kind of merger would be more valuable. Merging the Xinjus and upgrading them to special municipality has a high level of public support. We hope everyone will let Xinju advance first. Then if other areas have similar wishes, we will happily support them doing the same. In response to the Jilong mayor's ideas, the Xinju city mayor said his city was ready to pave the way for mergers. But according to the Local Government Act, only regions with a population of 1.25 million or more and with special requirements in their political, economic, cultural and metropolitan development needs may establish special municipalities. Both mayors concur that times have changed and that the population requirement should be removed. Taiwan has a falling birth rate, and because of the pandemic, we have actually entered an age where developments happen in the digital space. So whether these population thresholds still serve any purpose is something we should all consider. There is no clear scientific way to decide on a threshold to upgrade regions to special municipalities or to lower the threshold from 1.25 million to 1 million. So I think that the population requirement should just be removed from the Local Government Act. The DPP mayors of Xinjiang and Jilong are calling for mergers, which may become another variable to consider for the 2022 local elections. 
A U.S. think tank researcher, Ian Easton, says that U.S. defense of Taiwan from China is a must for the maintenance of the rules-based order. The commitments came amid reports that China trialed a hypersonic missile with nuclear capabilities in August. According to sources familiar with the matter, China's military advancements have progressed much faster than anticipated. Quoting an anonymous source, the UK's Financial Times has published a report saying that China tested a nuclear-capable hypersonic missile in August. According to the report, the missile flew through low-orbit space before cruising to its target. Although the missile missed its target on the ground, the test shows that China has made astounding progress on hypersonic weapons, which appear to be far more advanced than U.S. officials realized. Hypersonic missiles can reach up to 6,200 kilometers per hour and can change trajectory in flight. They are not only faster at reaching their targets, but also harder to intercept. The Financial Times report quotes sources familiar with the Chinese weapon, saying that the missile could theoretically fly over the South Pole. They say that would pose a big challenge for the U.S. military, whose missile defense systems are presently focused on the northern polar route. In recent months, tensions have been on the rise in the Taiwan Strait, with frequent incursions from Chinese warplanes. Not long ago, the PLA released footage of an island season exercise, which has further stoked discussion on a possible Taiwan attack by China. In an interview with Japan's NHK, U.S. think tank researcher Ian Easton said Beijing has indeed been ramping up its intimidation of Taiwan. The PLA is conducting what are essentially dry runs. They're simulations uh, to test their war plans for future operations against Taiwan. In recent years, China has also accelerated its nuclear submarine programs. According to Ian Easton, the U.S., Japan, and other countries will have to boost their military cooperation to counter the Chinese threat. There's a very real risk of invasion, and it's growing over time. The balance of military power is tipping very rapidly in China's favor, and that the um, the defensive activities that are being undertaken by the United States, by Japan, and by Taiwan itself are simply not sufficient. And for the United States, it is the key litmus test that if we are going to preserve the rules-based order, so the post-war order, that we must defend Taiwan. Taiwan is located in the first island chain, a strategic location in the region. To ward off attacks from China and strengthen Taiwan's defenses, the U.S. has approved many arms deals to Taiwan over the years. More recently, Washington has stressed the importance of maintaining peace and stability in the Indo-Pacific in its quadrilateral security dialogue with Australia, India and Japan, and in AUKUS, a security pact with the U.K. and Australia. The World Cup Taiwan will kick off on October 23rd, a big development for soccer in Taiwan. After eight years playing under the name Cup America, the event has been rebranded. Footballers will come together in 18 teams from across 13 nations for a mini World Cup. And for the first time, ambassadors from Taiwan's allies will gather on the pitch as well. 16 ambassadors and national representatives will play a knockout tournament with athletes from the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. Time to step out of the suit and into the studs. This footballer has amazing control of the ball, flipping, dribbling and showing off all kinds of tricks. Nothing is too tricky for Honduran student Danielle, who will play in the World Cup Taiwan. I'm in the Honduran team. This tournament will show the world Taiwan's potential. The theme of this year's National Day was a great alliance of democracy. Let's make friends with the world. 
After eight years as Cup America, this year the event is global. Competing teams hail from Taiwan's allies like Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador, as well as from soccer-loving countries like the US, the UK, Spain and Italy. Overall, 18 teams from 13 nations will compete. And even top diplomats are getting on the pitch. They'll go head-to-head -head in a knockout tournament with players from Taiwan's Ministry of Foreign Affairs. This is an exciting uh, event because for the first time, ambassadors and representatives were going to have a match against uh, Ministry of Foreign Affairs uh, people. And its name has changed from Copa America to Taiwan World Cup. It, it's a statement of unity and a friendship from the world to Taiwan and with Taiwan. Uh, over the years, the event had a has gained uh, popularity and uh, become bigger and bigger. There are a lot of discussions, a lot of sleepless nights, and sometimes even tears. I would also like to take some time to thank the efforts of the people that made this uh, World Cup Taiwan 2021 possible. Weekend matches will be broadcast live on TV in several of Taiwan's allied nations, including Haiti, Belize and Honduras. Officials hope that celebrating the beautiful game will let Taiwan closer into the hearts of its friends around the world. Tech giant Honghai on Monday unveiled three electric vehicles it has developed in collaboration with Taiwan automaker Yulon Group. The vehicles, a sedan, an SUV and a bus, are Honghai's first foray into the EV industry. The company says it will continue its progress in the sector with the goal of capturing 5% of the world's EV market by 2025. To celebrate the birthday of Honghai founder Terry Goh, the tech group held Honghai Tech Day in Taipei's Nangang on Monday morning. Go himself entered the venue in an electric car developed by the company to the delight of techies and media. For me, it's the best birthday present I could receive as I turn 71. For Taiwan, it shows what Taiwan's industry can achieve in just one year. Earlier this year, Honhai formed the MIH Alliance for Electric Vehicle Development, announcing it together with Ulong Group last year. The two companies have so far developed three different kinds of electric vehicles, a sedan, an SUV and a bus, all of which were unveiled on Monday. The most powerful one can accelerate from 0 to 100 kilometers an hour in just 2.8 seconds, with a 750 horsepower engine and a range of up to 750 kilometers. When we released our promotional video, some people said that Honhai's electric bus was all just virtual renderings. They were wrong. That's why today we brought the electric bus in. This is the progress that Taiwan's automotive industry has achieved over the past few decades. We can absolutely show our talents and drive transformation to upgrade Taiwan's industry. Honhai has placed its bets on the electric vehicle market, which it says will be booming in the future. The company says it will continue promoting the MIH Alliance platform to attract more firms. The electronics giant has taken steps to become a tech giant, with goals to grab 5% of the global electric vehicle market in 2025. The fifth League of Legends school championships is about to kick off, and young master gamers across Taiwan will soon be battling it out to win the trophy. Esports, or professional competitive video games, are becoming more and more incorporated into the world of sports. To find out more, we spoke to experts from the Taiwan Esports League and the Ministry of Education. 
In this fierce showdown, the Don Penguins team beat the Sanshin Fighting Eagles to win the 4th League of Legends School Championship or LSC. The 5th championship will kick off very soon on October 25th. All the students in Taiwan can show off their abilities through the platform of the school championship, LSC, whether you're just interested in esports or if you're confident in your skills. The LSC pits school teams against each other in the university and college class or the high school class through a group stage, regular stage, and playoffs. In recent years, the Taiwan Esports League has switched to promoting, developing, and rooting esports in schools. The League of Legends School Championship is already at its fifth year. We hope to create even more industrial value through corporate investment of resources so the LSC can continue to foster the new generation of esports talent, both on and off stage. As part of the sports industry, esports enjoys subsidies from the Industrial Subsidy Tax Law. The Sports Administration is working hard to guide the Chinese Taipei Esports Association in selecting and training a national team to participate in international contests. The champions! This esports champion was hailed the best high school esports athlete when his team won the LSC. Then in 2019, he won gold at the IESF Esports World Championship. Meanwhile, esports are lined up as an official category at the 2022 Asian Games in Hangzhou, reflecting the changing status of video games in the world of sport. Railway enthusiasts take note. Starting October 23rd, the TRA's blue diesel trains will be back in circulation in southern Taiwan. The trains were retired last December after the government fully electrified the track in the South Link Line. Now the vintage blue trains are back for sightseeing, offering a return trip every day between Taidong and Pindou's Fangliao. The nostalgic interiors have been completely preserved with electric fans on the ceiling and the windows that can be opened to let in the breeze. Drone patrols could soon be checking the integrity of sewage pipe near you. The Construction and Planning Agency has tested out a patrol drone on an underground water pipe for the first time. Its 3D laser scanning technology can help engineers understand what's happening when floods or other disasters occur. The wonders of technology never cease. Now drones are patrolling underground water pipes. The drone revolves turns on a light, and captures in high-definition video a thermographic distance measurement, allowing engineers to see inside the pipe from up on ground. Underground water pipes are pitch black. Once it's flying in a stable way, we can capture lots of effective data and process it later to measure the size of cracks or eventually construct 3D models. With the old technology, we could probably only measure distances and angles. With the technology now, the scanner can be more audiovisual, so we can see the area we're scanning. Town planners are using high-tech to make public works safer, less labor-intensive, faster, and more precise. The Construction and Planning Agency is spearheading a program to get all the country's rainwater and sewage water into water pipes. By the end of 2020, the rainwater pipe rollout was almost 80% complete. By this August, approaching 40% of users had connected their sewage pipes to the network. Extreme weather events such as major storms and flooding are becoming more frequent. The Construction and Planning Agency wants to reduce casualties using digital data to improve protection and management work. We started a general audit of underground rainwater pipes in 2015. By establishing basic data, we can create a digital simulation, and that can tell us how much rain came down in one shower, where, on which street, and even which area of the street will be flooded. Our accuracy right now can reach over 70%. Engineers hope AI will one day help prepare for storms 
and reduce their consequences. Such an ambitious public works project is only achieved one step at a time. Two Taiwanese students have won accolades at the Young Visionary Architecture Competition 2021. The British-based competition draws entries from hundreds of students and graduates all over the world. But despite the competition, the students from National United University wowed judges with innovative architectural designs for New York and Delhi. Network of aerial walkways spreads out across the digital model of New York City. This oasis in the sky is a design by National United University architecture student Wang Yeru. My theme was around integrating different ethnic groups in a way, I guess, extending the original ground floor level of buildings to outside the buildings or even onto the roofs. Wong's design won the grand prize for urban streets and landscapes, earning him a financial prize as well as a paid six-month internship in one of six major cities overseas. Of course, I'm hoping I can go to Spain because that's the birthplace of Antony Gaudi and Spain has many historical buildings. When they choose themes, I hope they choose something that's not too superficial. I want their buildings to have depth. The other prize winner is Chen Youhao, who won first place for a city design with his project Beyond Boundaries, reimagining the urban landscape of Delhi. We wanted to break through the boundaries of the terrain or the physicality of the buildings, as well as the boundaries between people in their hearts. The fiercely competitive contest was entered by students from over 100 prestigious universities across dozens of countries. But the creativity of these two National United University students outshone them all.